The event is so momentous that historians may one day view it as a landmark in the decline of the British Empire. The Beatles are breaking up. Hello. Hello. Welcome We're back. We're back. After a, a bit of a lost weekend. Yeah, we period, had a lost weekend. You could say. You don't, don't uh, ask us what we were doing the past month. We're not going to tell just you. Just say me and Ringo are doing a lot we're just of gonna give you in L.A. A few suspicious innuendo, in, innuendos. In the end? In the innuendos. Innuendos. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, co-host. Yeah, we're going to be doing a lot of... Oh, hey. Thank you. My, na- my name's Jack. My name's Kai, in case you forgot. It's been mm-hmm. about a month. It's been a long time. It's also been even more time since just the two of us. It's true. Beatles reference. Okay. Um... We're, we're doing this. We had yeah um, a guest. Um, what's his name? Uh, fucking uh, Paul McCartney. We had him on last no. week. No, we had Paul oh. McCartney on. Remember? Oh yeah, we just didn't. Yeah, yeah. No, we're gonna. Cool. We're not. We haven't edited it yet, though. Yeah, no. We don't know really actually fun. if it's gonna. That might be a lost weekend kind of thing. He he. Yeah, he really revealed a lot that I don't know if he wants all that going out right no. now. But but that was he's cool talking through, to him. He's going through it right yeah. now. Um. Well, we're back. All pods must cast. Welcome back. We're episode six. This is episode episode six. six, and yet we have still not touched on one of, of the members of the Beatles. Since one one of the back. main ones. I mean, there's only four, but yeah, there's only yeah. The, the, I mean, twenty five percent. The fact quarter. that we've been doing this for three months on and off, yeah, and we have not talked about John Lennon, yeah, is pretty funny. Yeah, and especially I think to those that aren't. Huge Beatles fans, maybe casual Beatles fans, and maybe not Beatles fans at all. Yeah, I do think um, John Lennon kind of his name has the most like uh, importance or stature or legend. Yeah, um, in Beatles culture, Beatles memory. I think that's probably true because I I think like especially looking at what we're doing in terms of solo post Beatles stuff. Yeah, he probably he does have the most popular song. Too. I think yeah, and he probably is the most iconic in some ways as just him um that's probably true yeah in isolation because paul i would say yeah has a fighting chance but it's more with wings right right because of wings there's it's not as much yeah and but but you but people think of john lennon as an entity yeah especially after the beatles like people can picture that Mm. um, in their heads especially the new york stuff Mm -hmm. and i have it as a statue and a pop funk girl yeah that 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 um see it up there Oh, I've never noticed on. that, actually. Well, no, I just got... My dad got it for me. Oh, okay. If you're listening, thanks, Dad. And, um, uh, yeah, so it's it's a new edition, actually. Okay, okay, yeah. yeah. I have a shelf. Um, most of the people that are listening have been in my bedroom, so not a problem to yeah. explain. But for those of you who haven't been in my bedroom... Well, hundreds of people have been in Why don't you come? Yeah. Um, you're invited anytime. Not really. It's, I, actually, James... Corden, if you're listening to this, you are not invited. (laughs) You're not invited to my bedroom. Anyway, your point was you have a shelf of Beatles memorabilia um, in your room. Yeah. Yes. A sort of a shrine. A wall, really. Beatles posters, and then there's a shelf above the two posters um, of all Beatles uh, collectibles and memorabilia and stuff like that. It really is. It really is a shrine. It really is a shrine. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I do have the uh, Yesterday and Today, the baby cover. It is a, a, a remake. It's not one of the originals. The, the butcher cover. The butcher cover. I do yeah. have that framed. I love that. Um, but all that to say, uh, John Lennon, he's a, he's a big one. He's a big figure. He's a big guy. In, in 20th century uh, media. And it, it's it'll be interesting to get into 
things about him and like what we think about him because he I I I don't want to give away too much right now but this is probably the post Beatles solo album I know the best um yeah, I, I I'm not sure if I would say it's my favorite because I go in but is it in your, it's in them. your top three for it's sure it's definitely it's definitely in the running for my favorite and wow. and a lot of times if because I don't love picking favorites quote-unquote but if if somebody were to ask me probably what my favorite post Beatles album was, it's probably this one. Damn. Um, I don't know. Again, it's I mean, hard I, to say. I, I respect you completely as a person. Thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> um, um, no, I respect, I respect that opinion. I, it's, um, I don't really know what you think of this album, to be honest. I know. I've yeah. saved it for Guys, we have not talked about it like at all. Yeah. Yeah. We, we haven't talked Beatles it. in a while. It's and, good to be back. And a lot of times I try to talk to Jack about my opinions of the album we're discussing yeah. before it actually happens. And he, save it, save it, save it. Save but it you know the, what, this time, this show. time I actually have saved it. I actually really haven't said much. Because I know that I have opinions that are different about a lot of this album. And you know what? Um, I think cool thing about me and Jack uh, hosting this podcast is that we do not always agree. It's true. And we usually have a little bit of pushback when we do agree on something um it means it's really fucking good yeah like i don't know like if not for smart you guys on uh all things must pass we really went uh crazy on that one we really loved that one up gave it a big kiss on the mouth true and on the cheek uh, anyway um what was i saying well before you get into your general thoughts <laughs> yes oh that's uh, you what, have yeah, a, i was leading to that yeah you have a funny anecdote about this album though do you want to tell the listeners or funny what about that person who said it was their favorite album. Do you remember? Oh that? my Do you want god! To tell that story? Yeah, I'll tell that, that story. Okay. Sure. I can't believe you remembered that. Well, I really hope isn't listening. Oh, I probably shouldn't have said that name. I'll, I'll cut it out. <laughs> I'll, I'll cut it out. <laughs> Will you say I really hope that isn't listening? Can I'll, you do that? Yeah, or I'll put in a beep or something. Okay. Yeah. yeah, beep. That would be great. Okay. I really hope that they are not listening. Um, but when I was uh, I was dating someone when I was seventeen. And um, we had known each other for a really long time. She had known me since elementary school. This is just oh, wow. a giveaway. This sh- sh- That's okay. It doesn't matter. You, She's you not don't listening. have to get into the whole history of it. Yeah, uh, okay. Well, anyway. You were dating she, Yes, but the, the point is that in elementary school, everyone knew that oh, I was a huge okay. Beatles fan because that's when I really, you know, it all blew up. And that's, you know, I wore a lot of Beatles shirts. I talked about the Beatles a lot. In second right. grade, um, my so I was pretty close with all my teachers because my grandma also worked at my elementary school, so I was mm. automatically the teacher's pet because they all knew me. And you're a bit of a kiss ass. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> um, and I talked to the teachers because I I don't know, and I I don't know they. Well, you're a loser. <laughs> <laughs> In second grade, uh, Mrs. McCollum, she's a very kind, um, very kind teacher, and. Shout out. <laughs> Um, she would let kids bring CDs to listen to in class during like our work time or whatever. And you brought this? Um, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I brought plastic on a My mommy's dead. <laughs> um, and so I ended up, barely anyone brought anything, but I even brought a bunch of Beatles CDs, like all of, like so oh, wow. many over the course of a few months. Yeah. And made all of my classmates listen. I don't think she was in that class. But anyway, regardless, over the, the course of elementary school, everyone knew how big of a Beatles fan I was. It was just like a uh, uh, characteristic of Kai. Which I think uh, holds it's, true. Yeah, it's still, yeah, yeah been going, going strong this whole time. Um, but anyway, 
when we first started talking, when we uh, when we first started dating, um, she was texting me and she was talking about how I asked her what her favorite album was. And, of all uh, time. <laughs> Because of course that's just the question I ask right. everyone. I sure. guess because I'm I think fucking that's a as hell. relatively um, common question. And she had, I remember Double Fantasy and Plastic Ono Band, oh, um, yeah. old like vinyls on her wall, and she sent a picture of Plastic Ono Band on her wall and said, "Oh, I don't know, maybe maybe this one, probably probably this one." Which is a wild. It is pick a for wild your favorite take. album, and I thought it was so cool. I was like, I respect oh my it. God. I mean, but that's an this that's girl an intense, is fucking cool, man. That's an intense favorite it album. Is, yeah, I was like, God damn, no, I've never heard anyone ever say that. Um, anyway, we date uh, for a few months, and things don't. I mean, they, obviously, they didn't go too well. Because sure. here I am. Um, <laughs> but a few months down the line. Um, I think maybe I, well, wait, I don't understand. You guys are married with children. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uncle Jack to your kids. Yeah. <laughs> I told I, this story at your wedding. <laughs> <laughs> um, I asked her what her favorite song was on the album and she said, um, blatantly just, it only been th- like three months too. Yeah. Rushed it off and was like, "Oh, I don't really, I don't really know the album. I just, uh, I just liked the cover of it and found it and put it on the wall." Um, as as if she had forgotten, she said that that was her favorite right. album, um, and basically by saying that was just trying to make herself look cool because she knew I loved the Beatles right. so much. Right. Right. So find anyway, that a story. don't say that an album is your favorite album that you haven't listened to. First off, don't do that at all. Don't do that to try to make someone like you when you first start dating. Especially not and this one. And <laughs> don't do it to Kai Brandis because four years later, he's going to talk about it on his podcast. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And You know I, who you are. I say it. I say this as somebody who <laughs> I do love this album. This is, ba- this is it, not a good look for me. <laughs> I can cut this really out if you want. <laughs> I think it's no, funny. I think we should leave it up. I think it's a funny story. Oh, man. And I say it as somebody who's... I, I do think this is one of my favorite albums. But like that's a crazy favorite. That album. is a crazy it's and it's intense. It, and, and in hindsight, it really shows how much she really didn't know the album. <laughs> yeah, say right. That it's right. her favorite album. Yeah, like if she had picked like this Band is a on good, the Run or something, this is something, like yes, that yeah, made sense. no, yeah, yeah, even Ram. Yeah, right. This is like you know, and and this is a cold open. This is literally a cold open to this podcast. Bong. We're doing we're doing a cold open talking about this funny anecdote Bong. that um it rings four times. Is that Bong. significant at all to you? Did you think about that at all? That it rings no, four times? You no. didn't think about that? You don't think it signifies the four members of the Beatles dying? Uh, no. I mean, maybe. <laughs> I, I do think I don't it's really either, but significant I just that, that it starts with funeral bells. I mean, that yeah. I think that is. But before we get into it, I'll talk about my relationship with this album a little bit. I didn't really know it that well until a couple of years ago. And I heard it, and it, it just really moved me somehow. Um, I think it's like... Out of the way from a bus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was standing in the middle of traffic and I yeah. started dancing along. No, but I I just found it very moving and emotional and um, very poignant and really a different side. I mean, I've grew up listening to the Beatles. I feel like I know John Lennon's writing. You know, I know his writing style very well. So does the rest of the world. But like, this is something that I had not really heard from him. Um, and I think that the 
ensemble on this record uh, is is really yeah, it's like really stripped down and bare and uh, raw, just mm. just like all of it is. And you know, I think it's interesting it like a that good slice of steak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This this is like a good slice of steak, and it's bloody and grill, a little it's gross in front of you, but it's You're it's showing off. But <coughs> stop with the whole onion volcano, okay? I've seen that a million times, and it's not. I a... say, still go for it. Okay, but uh, to me, the the debut albums from the rest of the three Beatles album, uh, Beatles. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, we're Members recording this kind of late. Yeah. Um, also, this is the first. Um, in case y'all are wondering, this is the first time we're recording like at night. At yeah, night. this is late. It's this eleven. Is late show. It's eleven p.m. But um, all the rest of the debut albums is them trying to figure out who they are without the Beatles. And I mean, that's the case with all of them, but they're doing it in sort of a constructive way of finding a new kind of persona. George is obviously the most successful with it, I think. Yeah, that's one of the things Um, that I was going to get into about how this album is practically the antithesis to all things it, it definitely is which is cool that we're and discussing we'll talk about back that. to back but yeah but um but for me john is doing it in such a destructive way and literally it feels like he's trying to tear off his own skin trying to shed the beatles thing you yeah. know i mean it's it's that uncomfortable to listen to and to experience especially by the end it's just kind of like it is oh, it, it down, feels man. like you're being you know curb stomped by him and like and there's a scene in Taxi Driver. Have you seen Taxi Driver? I have seen Taxi Driver. Okay, yeah. Do you remember that scene where he takes her to the porn theater? Oh, yeah. And she's, Eesh, like, freaked yeah. out. And he's on the Ugh. phone with her trying to, like, win her back. Oh, uh, yeah. And it's so uncomfortable to watch. And the camera just kind of slowly moves over as if it's, like, too uncomfortable to even watch that conversation. Ugh. That's what listening to this album feels like. God, it's I like, mean, that's a good comparison. You don't even want to watch this happen because it's so... Especially by the last, the second to last track. Yeah, that I mean, that's the climax, and it's I mean, just the phrase "the dream is over" is so brutal. Um, but that being said, as much as this is a really emotional and um, bare record, mm-hmm. uh, it's not like a dirge. It's not something like Lou Reed's Berlin or something where it, it is genuinely unpleasant to listen to. Um, there are some rockers on this album and there are things that are catchy and even the songs that are really emotional, I still like listening to because they're well-written, maybe not well, well well-written for sure, but like Mm -hmm. catchy songs still. Um, he still is a pop writer and he's able to write uh, songs, but but they're just, I will say that, um, I do think that we'll, I'll get into this more. His lyrics are much more just whatever came to him, which I know that he's yeah. already that kind of writer in general, but this really, really, like, he he did not think too hard about, you know, will this appeal to the pop audience? Well, I mean, this is like. the first time you hear a, a Beatle, a, you know, the biggest band in the world, say fuck. I yeah. mean, like, it's not much to us now, but, like, thinking about that at the time, that must have been crazy yeah. to hear him say fuck on well, a record. And to say on record, I don't believe in Jesus on yeah, a track called I mean, God. And you, and we'll get into all that because that, you know, then his history with Jesus, you know, the whole controversy there, that's mm-hmm. interesting. But like it is it is completely different from Beatles stuff in a in a more significant way than the other 
debut albums yeah. have been, or in, at least in, yeah, and maybe not more significant, but in a different way. Yeah, well, it, I think it definitely uh, out of the 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 four or the five, I guess if you count Bakuza Blues, right? <laughs> um, but four debut albums, four debut, yeah. <laughs> starting its sentimental journey, which was so long ago now, mm-hmm. but still somehow within the same year. Um, this does feel like the most emotional and the most. Uh, uh, showing heartbreak it's it's just sad album. Yeah. yeah and it's like you know i think everyone talks so much about how paul was the most heartbroken and paul was suffering the most um and maybe he was i mean we who, who's to say who that? knows we can speculate on that. um but in terms of the their first album in terms of like showing it musically uh john definitely does that the most by far mm-hmm. george if anything really just i mean he shows it a little bit um, but his is more kind of content. It's a very triumphant and, record. Yeah, triumphant yeah. and kind of like uh, claiming his own identity and kind of like, um, you know, batting off Paul and John for kind of holding them down. It feels mm-hmm. like John is just kind of like, um, I don't know. He's clawing at his skin to try and, and get out of it. And trying to, sh- yeah, yeah, create a new version of himself, basically rebirth, as he says on the album. Or get to some version of himself that he thinks used to exist, maybe never existed at all, but yeah, some kind of pre-Beatles yeah, whole, childhood. Especially knowing about the lore of this album and knowing that um, going through, is it called primal therapy? What yeah, it primal scream therapy. Yeah. Um, and knowing what that's like and um, knowing that you're trying to kind of the ideas that you revert back to what it felt like to be in your mother's womb and re-experience the pain of birth. Um, right. From what's, who was the guy who, st- who started this though? Do you know his name? I, I don't know his name, I but know he either. was their therapist. John you can look Yoko. it up. Um, there was a book called Primal Scream. Um, and he was the guy who created this, who we cannot remember his name, which Maybe on this podcast we should have had that written down. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. It though. doesn't really matter. Um, John and Yoko um, went to this these therapy sessions where they were basically trying to re-experience the pain of birth and then the pain of uh, their entire lives up to that point um, mm-hmm. in a very uh, raw, brutal nature. Um, and John had to re-experience the pain of losing his mom at 16 and when his dad left when he was like four or five and all this pain that he's pushed down, you know, the past decade and a half. Yeah. Um, and, and kind of like, I, I do think it's a rebirth of John Lennon. Yeah. And, and it is like him trying to reckon with fame and being more famous than practically anybody else in the world. Um, and you know, like, I don't, I don't really want to spend a lot of time talking about his personal life because you know, I I understand why people are uncomfortable with him on a personal level or listening to his music or whatever, because he did he did some bad stuff, and I mm-hmm. I, I don't necessarily want to no I don't think we should litigate that, that no. here, but you know he was a troubled person mm-hmm. and he lived a troubled life and you know and he's trying what I really like about his solo work is he is trying to untangle that in front of everybody. Yeah, I do, um, I, do I do enjoy that. Yeah, and, and you know, like you say, this is a sad album, but on the other hand, um, 
there are beautiful moments mm-hmm. and there's hopeful moments, um, especially when he talks about his relationship. And the Yoko part of this is something we also haven't talked about. We're going to have a whole little mini bonus episode um, about Yoko's Plastic Ono Band album because this is only kind of one half of a larger kind of project, which... which, Should we talk about the history of it, I guess? Um, A little bit, yeah. Or should we just go ahead and get into our general thoughts, you know? Yeah, well, I guess we'll just say the Plastic Ono Band as a group started before this mm-hmm. while the Beatles was sl- were still together. And the first thing they released was Instant Karma, right? I think it was um Cold technically give me give oh. peace a chance. Oh yeah, you're right, you're right. Um and then and that was and the the whole plastic Ono band thing was the idea of John has a new band. It's with Yoko. Yeah, and when it, it started too, it wasn't even the Beatles hadn't broken up yet. Right. And for him it was like he hated the structure of the Beatles feeling like a job and having the same four people in the line. So this, he was like, we're not going to have a specific lineup for a band. It can be anybody. Anybody can come as and come and go as they want. And it's a much more amorphous kind of project. Yeah. And I do, I like that idea of a band quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's more of like a collective, like, yeah, like Fluxus or something. Yoko would have been a part of in yeah. New York. Um, and so, they do give peace a chance. They perform in Toronto with Eric Clapton and Alan White, the uh, drummer for Yes. And then, yeah, they release Cold Turkey um, Instant and Karma. Instant Karma. Yeah. And those and, were the two yeah. singles that had already been out yeah. by the time this album comes yeah, out. Yeah, and um, me and Jack have both been referencing the classic albums documentary quite a bit. Yeah, we watched so, that in preparation. I uh, highly recommend very, that useful information um, but yeah instant the instant the way that instant karma went down kind of established a lot of the workflow for this album in terms of how fast it was laid down um and like uh just embracing a raw natural state and style in terms mm-hmm. of music and not um overthinking the arrangement or making it overcomplicated. and then even more so um they started mixing the songs the same day, the same night. Mm, um, right. And I think Phil McDonald? I, I don't want to, I don't know who the mix engineer was. Sure. I think it's something like that. <laughs> I think something Phil. Not Spectre. Yeah. Another who Phil. Who is technically, technically a producer, producer on this album, but even though he apparently didn't do anything. he didn't really do anything. Yeah. <laughs> and in fact, I think like stole the tapes for this and like held them hostage for a while. Oh my God. Maybe it was for that or for a different ball. album, but. I've heard John talk about that in interviews. Oh my god! Um, anyway, so then they mix. They would John would um, sit in the control room and help mix with the engineer. And then on Instant Karma, at the end of the day, the mix engineer was like, "Well, I can do some more final touches on this." And he's like, "No, no, no, that's good." And then John got the master tape, and then they didn't even master it. That was that was the tape that mixed from right. the same day they recorded it. Is what you listen to when you hear it on record and it adds to this sort of raw kind of unraveling yeah. sound yeah and they know. didn't do that with every song on plastic Ono bed but quite a lot of them especially the raw ones um yeah. they mix the same night and that was kind of that was it and maybe we can save them for a different like non-album singles thing but generally what do you think of cold turkey and instant karma i love those songs 
Um, I like Cold Turkey. I didn't um, grow up listening to it, though. and um, So I like it now, but I don't love it. I think it's pretty good. Yeah. I love Instant Karma. Yeah, that's a great I song. I grew up with that one. Um, I've always loved that one. I didn't really know where it was in the... In, um, where it was in terms of John's chronology. work, yeah, in yeah. the chronology until like a few years ago. So I, th- I honestly thought it was like mid seventies or something. I didn't yeah, know it was it, this, you know, right after the Beatles broke up. It's stylistically closer to those songs yeah. than it is to this. It I mean, those it, songs are much different from yeah. any of the songs on this. Yeah, it is. Um, I like the process is similar, and I see that, but it, it is a lot different in, in how it sounds from Plastic Donut Band the album. And one more thing, generally, I might talk about. I might talk more about this when we talk about Yoko's album, which is an album that I've... Well, I'll talk about that when we talk about it. But um, I really like the Yoko album. And to me, the relationship between them, she is so much of a John Cale figure from the Velvet Underground in a way, where she comes from kind of the similar background to him. She approaches rock and roll music in a similar way. That at this point the Lennon-Ono relationship is a little bit closer to the Velvet Underground and Lou Reed and John Cale than it is to Beatles or Paul and Lennon, uh, Lennon McCartney. Um, So it's it's just a completely different thing. Um, Do you have anything else to say in terms of history or general uh, opinions? Uh, And well, should we general thoughts on the album? Yeah, general thoughts. I mean, if you want to get into um, it, let's get into it. I think. The biggest thing is that I didn't grow up with this album, um, and I don't think anyone did. <laughs> right. It's really. not. Uh, it's not something you grow up with. It's not something as a kid you want to listen to. It's not a. Yeah. Or would or would cont- like if you did hear it, I don't think you'd want to hear it again. Right. Really. Um, but as an adult, and especially as a young adult, um, it it does it uh, it really does strike you in terms yeah. of um, working class hero, especially. I think. Is a good mm, theme um, for the of the album. Well, not of the album, but I think it's a good theme of how John is summarizing his life mm-hmm. uh, up to this point, which I I kind of think is what the album is doing. Maybe not summarizing the the plot or the events of his life, but more the emotional life of John Lennon. Is seems yeah. like is kind of summarized in this album. He's trying to reckon with some previous yeah in terms state of, of himself. opening with mother you know basically the exposition of john lennon and yeah. then ending with god and my mommy's dead yeah which my mommy's dead is really just feels like the twist of a knife the, yeah yeah but uh, like the the bookend to right. mother yeah um because i i do kind of we'll get into this but i do think god is more of like the end uh, definitely yeah. definitely yeah um but in terms of the end of the album you know, saying where he is now and saying how he doesn't believe in anything mm-hmm. other than himself and Yoko. Well, and think about like how how broad the topics are that he's taking on. Yeah, mother, God, yeah, love, yeah. Like the the titles of these yeah songs it, are so that's simple. What I'm saying. Like he yeah. didn't he didn't overthink it at all, and it feels like because these are the yeah. songs he was writing during this. Um, primal scream therapy mm-hmm. and so it's really just like the the biggest <laughs> the biggest things in life just trying to tackle them yes with right. whatever you're feeling in that moment write it down that's it don't revisit it that's the song which like i i'm all for nuance and i'm all for metaphor i love i love uh s- style but i also i gotta respect somebody just going 
I'm going to write a song called God. And it's going to be yeah. everything that I think and believe in or don't believe in. Yeah. It's like, oh, I, okay, Jesus. Yeah. Sure, yeah, go I, ahead. Honestly, it's mm, top three on the album, honestly. It's it's one of my favorite songs he ever wrote. Yeah, um, me too. But shall we get into it with um, Yeah, I just want to say that overall, there are tracks on this album that I don't like. Um, yeah, I don't fair. like every track. I do really like some tracks. Um, overall, I, in the past few days, I've been listening to this album, you know, multiple times a day. And I will say that it's not necessarily fun to keep listening. Um, especially no, if not. you're like doing other things, like I yeah. was listening while cooking. Yeah. That it's not um, the right kind of album. And for it's that. just like, I'm making fried rice and it's like, I don't believe in Elvis. I don't believe in Jesus. And then it's like, I don't believe in Beatles and the way he pronounces yeah. it. It's, it's like, it, it, it's <laughs> devastating. It is. Especially when it's like um, last night, me and Jack had the awesome, amazing privilege of going to see Hard Day's Night at our oh, local yeah. theater and yeah. restored in 4K. Oh god! Um, and seeing that is like that's like the golden age of, you know, they're all friends. They're, they're, yeah, yeah, they're happy together. It's yeah. like the honeymoon phase of the Beatles. It seems like. Um, and but I've been listening to nothing but Plastic Ono Band. Yeah. Before and after watching that. So that definitely hit uh, pretty hard yeah, um, watching that definitely. in terms of just the emotion of the those four guys. It 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 is, and um, it's not it's not an entertaining album. Uh, it's both this and the Yoko album are are both challenging in different ways, mm-hmm. um, and they're they're things that you have to engage with and reckon with in different ways. But that being said, again, I I don't think. You know, as much as this is a devastating emotional record, there's moments of levity. You know, mm-hmm. it's not just a dirge, um, mm-hmm. but it is. You've said dirge twice now. Oh, really? Well, on this podcast, I don't. Uh, I never hear that word ever. Well, maybe I'm thinking of. Uh, and you really pronounce the D too. Not so much dirge. a dirge. <laughs> well, <coughs> excuse me. Um, up, buttercup. I know. I got to get my coughing under control mm-hmm. for this. Yeah. Do you want to uh, get right into, get into it? it? Those yeah. four bells. Um, I don't think they actually signify the four Beatles, but that's kind of funny. I think in a general way. Um, but I does. think that those bells are part of the primal scream therapy. Really? Yeah. I I had heard that they're like church bells slowed down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think even if it's not specifically, I will say. Um, yeah. Of course, I didn't do it every time. But the past few times I've listened to this album, I skip. Oh, really? To like 30 seconds in. Oh, wow. Because okay. I don't want to sit through 30 seconds of church. Bells. Really? I yeah. think that's essential to it. Uh, I, uh, it sets I the know. mood. It sets a funereal mood. It kind of does, but I'm like, I don't want to fucking... Especially when I have my AirPods on and I'm like just trying to listen. Really? Yeah. Because the for me, the church bells into mother and it all starts, you know, right yeah. away. It's so... yeah. It it really is like oh you're in it now you yeah. know no yeah and I think it's cool it's definitely a, a crazy way to open an album and even if it isn't specifically about Beatles which maybe mm-hmm. it is it is again funereal my mummy's dead the dream is over all this stuff and then well we'll get to double fantasy but there are bells on that <laughs> album which are more <laughs> uplifting get, yeah <laughs> but really is uh, full circle book yeah in. like that's the nice thing is as depressing as this album is 
there it are makes double fantasy yeah. more cool and romantic and happy. There are things to look. And forward you know what's to even weirder is just the fact that jo- that was not supposed to be John Lennon's last album. It's, yeah. that's what's weird and creepy about it. We'll get to it. Well, and that's to talk. I mean, th- we have a lot to get through on this episode because this is the first time we're talking about John Lennon. Yeah, you know, but I think that's part of what makes him so remembered and iconic as mm-hmm. a specific seventies figure mm-hmm. is obviously the fact that he was assassinated. So, and that makes albums like this a little more mm-hmm. poignant too. So before we get into more of it, I need to check the sound quality. Okay. Sounds good. Rolling. Well, do you want to take a little break? Yeah, let's take a little, let's take a little snoozer. It. I need to, I need to debrief myself. All just right. not with you, just internally before we really get into this. Take a couple deep breaths. Really. and we talk about the songs. Okay. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Mommy, don't go. Dong. Daddy, come home. Dong. Track mother, by track, what you, first so what you, side A. What do you think about Mother? Track. Tell me your thoughts on Mother. I love it. I think it's so depressing and yeah. uh, emotional. Mm-hmm. And it's not even something... I don't know. It's not like I can relate to it all you know, you know I, I don't have a personal connection to it in that way but it, it's just uh hearing somebody uh talk about that yeah. kind of thing so and and the thing is with john lennon he you think about songs the most obvious one is walrus but also strawberry fields benefit of mr kite things like that he he likes to be uh, a little stinker of, yeah yeah this is not obfuscating anything. No. This is not flowery language. It's very simple language. God, yeah. It's such, um, no, uh, mother, you had me, I never had you. Yeah. <laughs> and he, and yeah. what's so interesting about that is like, there is nothing extra that needs to be on there. He's not putting any ornamentation on there. It's so simple, but... It's exactly what he wants to say and not saying anything more, you know? Yeah. And this whole album is kind of that, but especially this song, I think. Yeah. Um, and, like, and I, and by the way, I love flowery language and I love confusing abstract lyrics, mm-hmm. but it I. is so uh, effective on this song. Yeah. The, just the brutal. Uh, change yeah right of, of john's writing in the first track on the album and you have to kind of think about where we left off as as listeners um now but also especially in 1969 like in in that time period the listeners up to this point um the last thing they heard from john um you think about the opening track of the last album he was on mm-hmm. come together mm-hmm. and it's the same thing the same like yeah gibberish know, gibberish like, words that sound word very collage. lovely yeah. together still but you don't really know but also come together is supposed to be about john he's kind of characterizing mm. himself through this mumbo jumbo language um and then on the uh, on the extreme contrary on the opening of this album character characterizing himself um as the victim in this huge uh, just fucking horrible, life-changing thing. Yeah. And it's mother, 
father and children are kind of the three things he sets up. Yeah, right? children don't uh, do what I've done. Yeah. yeah. Um, I couldn't walk and I tried to run. I yeah. mean, it's it's like so simple and so says so much without mm-hmm. saying too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and the instrumentation is so airy and has so much space. And I know Ringo in that documentary, he talks about how like, I really like that thing he says about how his art is fills. That's mm-hmm. where his artistry comes out. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I, I didn't really do that for this. This is really just timekeeping yeah. and, and leaving it to John mm-hmm. to say these words. Um, and he, Ringo gets a little more um, Ringo-y on the album later. Mm-hmm. But this is very... You don't even really... The drums aren't even... Especially if you're not looking for them, you don't even think about... Yeah. You don't think about the drums at all on this record. Right, right. Um, Except on a couple songs, in my opinion. But um, But especially this this one, not at all. He is really... I don't think about the bass ...staying out of anybody's way. I think about the piano a little bit, but mostly just the lyrics and John's vocal delivery. Well, and especially by the end, like... I think that space makes the screaming so much more effective. Yeah, and it just keeps getting crazier and crazier. Yeah, and every time you think it's going to be over, he does it again, and he does it louder and harder, and um, and he's just screaming. It's it's, and it feels like something that's such a tight construction of mother, father, children, and then just completely breaking down at yeah. the end. Um, it's all, um, before we get to the next track, you've, no, let's keep we watched this. Nowhere Boy together, right? Yeah, right, yes. And you know, remember how the, the very last scene when he's about to go to Hamburg, um, you know, and he says goodbye to his aunt, you know? Right, And then he's yeah. walking, the credits roll, and then this starts playing? Oh, yeah, that's right, right. What a fucking crazy yeah. end to that movie. That great, is... Great choice to end that That is movie. effective. A movie I don't love, but that's a very good choice. You know, I don't, lo- I don't love it. I like it though. Yeah, I yeah. Like that movie. I think it's, it's like the only good biopic of anything Beatles. Oh, really? Ever. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I there's, I'm, there's some fucking shitty biopics out there, like really bad. Well, the, the, a lot of the ones that are really bad were also like TV ones. Sure, sure. Um, no, but that is a that is an effective moment of that. We'll movie. get to that maybe. It's a. I mean, yeah. Hey, we should. <laughs> hey, have, we should have some bonus we, episodes on that. Yeah, we're 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 running away with the with these bonus. <laughs> we just came up with episodes. a new idea earlier tonight. Bonus episodes. Yeah, so in like twenty minutes. The first so, one is and they coming don't count out as soon. Like, yeah, they can like, I don't know. They could be like a couple of days after the first. You know, they don't. They're not gonna. They don't. There's no rules. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And the first one will be the Yoko Ono Plastic mm-hmm. Ono Band. Yeah. Um. But. Mother, do you have anything else to say? I think I, I think we pretty much covered. Yeah, it. I I think it's the screaming the perfect, is just so chilling. The perfect track to open the album. For yeah, sure. absolutely. Like, obvious, it's an obvious opener. And in a way, it is like birth, mother, father, yeah. children. Uh-huh. It's it's birth. Yeah. Um, it's and yeah, and the the, oh, the bells and it, the whole yeah, it's it's how you st- also knowing that it's how, um, the primal therapy starts. Right. Is, is trying to relive the pain of birth. Um, and this being the first track on this album, it kind of it does feel like this album is kind of trying to simulate what that experience has been like for him. Yeah. And opening with this is how he opened Primal Therapy. So I think that's pretty cool, too, that those mirror each other. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, great song. Yeah, going into Hold On. Hold On. Which, which I think is... has kind of had um, a little resurgence of popularity oh really 
Um, well, just like the past few years. Oh, wow. In terms of Spotify has been um, loading this song into the algorithm for a lot of indie rock playlists. Mm. So a lot no of um, people our age have specifically gotten into this song because it's fed mm. into the algorithm, especially if you like like 70s music and also indie rock music, and that's mm. in your algorithm. This song will definitely come up just because the guitar tone yeah. is so like weirdly similar to 2010s indie rock guitar sure, tones. I could see that. Um, which is funny because it's like 50 years apart, but it's like, um, yeah, very, and I think the song structure is, it does kind of, it, it, it feels timeless in a way that it does feel like it could be made in the 2010s. Yeah. Um, and I've seen it just on a lot of my friends' playlists. Interesting. I mean, it's, uh, it is the salve to that opening wound of, you know, yeah. mother. It's, uh, I think it's definitely the, if there is a single you know really oh wow i think it is yeah. i think to me maybe isolation is uh, yeah but yes. but i don't but know the, but I don't those know. two I think songs this one are very is, similar is more radio maybe not not at the time though it's also yeah. the thing and I'm, I'm trying to think about in 1970 no not really i guess it's just the most conventional pop st- structure yeah in a song maybe well it's it's the first moment and this is one of those moments of hope and consolation Mm -hmm. within the relationship of john and yoko um and yeah that guitar tone you mentioned i love it's very shimmery yeah it's got this very fragile on it where it's like yeah kind of tremolo it's like in and out of phase and to me this song is sort of just floating along the breeze and it's not very long and you just kind of catch it in the breeze and that guitar tone is Uh, shimmering in the air to touch on that i love about in this album because john is the only guitar player you get this a lot and it's something that he's done in the past, like on like I Feel Fine or mm. like um, on I Want You, She's So Heavy, where he's playing the guitar melody um, usually in unison with his vocal melody. Oh, you okay. Know? Yeah. And on this one, you know, is on guitar right, yeah. while he's singing. And that comes yeah. up later in the album a lot, too. Yeah, that's true. Because he mirrors his vocal melody with his guitar at the same time which i think is mm-hmm. really really cool and it's a very like when he does that it just feels so uh john lennon yeah uh, he he does that in a weird way too on yoko's album which we'll talk about really? but um yeah but this song is so gentle and uh breezy in in a way where it, it does feel very comforting and you know yeah, it's, it's a very short. It's very short. It's a breath of air for sure. Um, After and mother. when we're one, we're really one, and you get things done like they've never been done. Uh, it's it's a you know it's a you nice even, consoling song. Yeah, you even get a Cookie Monster impression. Yes. Cookie. Yeah. Yeah. What 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 the fuck? Yeah. I I remember the I truly remember the first time I heard this song. It wasn't that long ago. Yeah. Um, and I was really. I think it was weirdly really early in the morning. I had to wake up really early for something. And you chose this? Uh, and I was just listening to this, yeah. And um, <laughs> What a morning. And this song really lulled me into some kind of hypnotic state. Yeah. And then I heard, cookie. <laughs> and it genuinely frightened me. I was like, oh, oh, what was that? You know, what I think is really cool is I think my theory on, on um, how it came about is that you can hear John say cookie, you know, really loud. And then you hear a second one. Oh, okay. It's a little quieter. Interesting. Um, 
But we also know that John was singing um, when they tracked the rhythm section, like live. Mm. Like when they, they did guitar and bass and drums all at the same time, but then they also did a scratch vocal so that John could be singing with the band so they really could right. understand the feeling of the song yeah. and follow the vocal because that was the most important part. But then John went back and laid over like another um, better, cleaner vocal on top of that scratch vocal. Yeah. But because that vocal, that scratch vocal, was part of that live session, you can't take it out. Right, you, you can kind you of have, hear it. Yeah, you have bass uh, amp mic, you have the drum mics, guitar mics on the amp. Mm-hmm. Um, so- and so I think is that he did that just as a funny like one-off while they were tracking it yeah and then thought it was so funny that he, he wanted to do again. it on the other so you hear I think you hear I, I actually do know what you're talking about now, yeah. now that I think about you it you hear the clean vocal cookie that he did right and then you hear another one after it and I think the one after is from the tracking session that makes sense I uh, it's confounding I, I don't know why it's on there but it's funny it's awesome and and that's um, what I mean like there are moments of levity and kind of classic John yeah. humor on yeah. here, even though it is so emotional. There's moments like the cookie thing where it's just like, all right, he's <laughs> yeah. sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what I think is even funnier is that um, cookie is also just like uh, fundamentally an American word. Yeah. True. True. <laughs> so what does it mean to him? He doesn't say cookie. And there's really only one person that says yeah. cookie like that. <laughs> yeah. And he's not even yeah. a person. He's a monster. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, who knows? It's funny, though. You know what's funny is that, I don't know if you can see, but I have this book right there behind the other books. Do you see it? Oh, yeah, kind of. And it's just John is the only thing that you can see. Wow. He's yeah. And he's looking at us. It's this wow. book called This Boy, and it's behind all these other books on my dresser. Um, but all the other books are covering the entire cover other than John's face from, like, 1960. I think 1960, yeah. So he's, like... um. 20 in that Young picture. Young man. It's crazy. Uh, sorry. Watch sorry, over us as we um, talk about his work. Yeah. If if you guys, uh, our listeners out there, if you haven't listened to this album or haven't listened to, hold on. Um, cookie. Go listen to it. Go listen to that Cookie Monster impression. Yeah, I know it's you funny. don't want to hear it. It's pretty it's funny. It's funny. It's a little lift up <coughs> in this breath of air of a song. Uh, which I like. Anything else to say about Hold On? Um, No. It's great. Yeah. I like the bass and the drums too. Nothing yeah. too crazy, but they're a little more. You get a little more from them. Yeah, they're 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 emotive. Yeah. Um, well, I found out. Do you want to start this, or do you want me to? Um, you go ahead. Yeah, it's definitely the. We got the rocker. Yeah, exactly, and and it's like a pickup as hold on oh, kind of floats there's away. There's some fucking good lines in this song, man. Oh yeah, this is oh. one of my favorites. Um, the lyric to this. Um, do you want some of my favorite lyrics? Okay, go ahead. Um, in turn, what is it? The, uh, there ain't no Jesus gonna fall from the sky. Yeah. I mean, this is now that really, I found out, I know I can cry. This oh, is really uh, the uh, one that, that hits for that's me. Too, it, it resonates too much with me. Yeah. Right. Well, this, this one really is the one for me that it's like, this is the anti all things must pass. Yeah, that's, um, that's true. It is really the antithesis because we talked about there ain't no all Jesus going to come from the sky. Yeah. We talked and, about how all things must pass is such a holistic view of spirituality and mm-hmm. religion and he takes from jesus and he takes from um Hare krishna yeah and like all these all these different things that kind of form one idea and then on this one there ain't no jesus gonna fall from the sky oh now that i found out i know i can cry that's uh, just one you know. of the, it's one of the best signs on this entire album 
Yeah, and um, and then uh, is it my mom and pa? Is it that what he says? Um, my yeah, my mom and pa. I found out about my mom, my pa. They didn't want well, me, me, so they made, made me a star. star. Yeah, I I mean this song for me is him reckoning with fame the most out of any of these songs. Yeah. This is the one that reckons with fame. Yeah. I've seen I he's he's seen all these facades. Oh, what's that line about yeah, that guy with the cock in his hand. Yeah, yeah. Some of you sitting there with your cock in your hand. Oh, uh that's badass, man. And and again, hearing a Beatles swear. But this song, he's seeing he's seen all these mirages, all these facades, all these different things, and in a almost transcendental way, even though he's not really intending for that. He's saying none of it really matters, and I've found mm-hmm. out that none of this matters. And you know he's, and after hold on floats away. Yeah, and he says, "Old Hare Krishna got nothing on you." Yeah, Just exactly. Keep you crazy with nothing to do. Keep you occupied with pie in the sky. There ain't no, there ain't guru, no guru can see yeah. through your eyes. Yeah. As oh, and and we need to talk about. Sorry. That's Did okay. you have something to say? You go. Well, uh, I was just gonna say, as hold on. Uh, like floats away yeah. right this is the one that <clears throat> like the heaviness it yeah. trudges along yeah but uh continue the guitar about the lyrics tone. oh the guitar tone on this is great yeah i've got more to say about the i fucking the love john Lennon guitar man talk um, about the lyrics again we okay jesus I don't, to paul is yeah. that what you're gonna say yeah. yeah 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 we i know we shouldn't read in too much but i don't think it's a coincidence yeah that, did that well i think it's a i mean of course i that makes sense from jesus to paul yeah, um, it's a double entendre. Of, yeah, for it's sure. talking about the Bible, but also yeah. talking about, like, it could just be read as that he needed something to rhyme with, but I don't think uh, it no, is. No, I, I think there's no question there's no, that it's... The, yeah. the religion, like, Paul represents kind of John's whole life. The yeah. past, of course, the Beatles do, but specifically, if you want to break it down even more, his relationship with Paul has kind of defined a lot about his life for the past, like, 15 years. Yeah, for sure. Well, and and also that plus tying that to Jesus and religion, like, I think that line symbolizes the occultism of Beatles and Beatlemania and yeah. fandom and comparing it to occult or religion. Yeah. Jesus to Paul. I've seen all these things and it's not real. Um and, you know, the freaks on the phone won't leave me alone. This is him, like, reckoning with all this shit he's had to deal with. And then we'll eventually die from it, you know. Yeah. From the the freaks on the phone. Yeah. Start, you know, bringing guns with them, you know. Yeah. So it's like, this one is the one that confronts that aspect of it most head on. And I think that Jesus to Paul line is significant. Um, yeah. Well, I just think that also, I mean, I, I think a lot of people... And you still could read it as just him talking about Jesus to Paul in the Bible. But also, Jesus to Paul in the Bible actually is a pretty relatively short period. So it doesn't really right. make that much sense even in that context. Yeah. But it's it's a clever it's a clever line. Yeah. It, it can mean yeah. all those things. But I think most of us know that it, it means Paul McCartney. Yeah. And and the fact that it's about these crazy fans, he's calling them... Oh, uh, yeah. And he's calling it a religion. Right you know, after, don't let them fool you with dope and cocaine. No one can harm you. Feel your own pain. Yeah, that line really... Feel your own pain. Yeah. yeah it, um, it's brutal. And yeah, let's talk about the instrumentation on this, because this one is really where you feel the grunginess. And I, not grunginess in the sense of the genre, Grittiness. but like... Of of the Klaus Vormann, Ringo Starr, John Lennon band. Yeah, and and honestly, I of course I do think 
Klaus and Ringo are a great foundation for for that. Mm-hmm. But I I think all credit in in that aspect goes to John. He's the one that's making it <laughs> as gritty and driving and yeah. brutal as it is. Although I love the drums on this song. Yeah. Like I I, I think are they double tracked or something? Because I don't think so. I think, but there is something about the toms and what you're talking about. Well, and there's like there, on this one, and then especially on "Well, Well, Well," uh, mm-hmm. there's something about the drums that feels like kind of stilted or slinky-ish or not totally like it feels. There's yeah. some effect added. Oh, to I know them. what you mean. Yeah, yeah. There, there's delay, and I right. think maybe yeah. cor- like it's some sort of chorus effect, but I yeah, think it's just delay. Right. Okay, delay yeah. on the toms where it's like, yeah. There's yeah, like a and slap back like, on drums, which is so un- uh, irregular. It feels you like you're walking that. on rocks, like you're walking no on No one puts fucking ground. delay on drums. Yeah, it's fucking weird. Honestly, when I heard it, um, it, it definitely threw me off. I, and I still don't know if I'm completely on board with it. While I, it is cool, yeah. I don't know if I like it. I, I really like it. It, it. it feels so uneven and like shaky it is and weird. uncertain. Yeah. Um, and it's so Especially heavy. Because it's you, such a heavy as, song. As the listener, you always expect, I mean, even if everything is going crazy with the amount of effects on it or how shaky it feels in the mix or how spacey it feels, you always kind of, as a listener, rely on the drums to not to be the one thing that is not doing that mm-hmm. and keeping it stable and keeping it grounded. Um, but, yeah, then they put effects on the drums and really just throw your ears for a, a loop, I think. And also, you were talking about the him doubling his vocal line. He does that uh-huh. on this uh, at the very beginning. I love that tone too. The yeah. The guitar tone. In the end, you know when it's like. Well, yeah, I I love that part. Again, this feels like it's it's almost collapsing under its own weight. It's such a heavy song, and it just starts unraveling at the very end. Ah, you know when he starts screaming again, and then. It, it feels like it just all falls apart under its own heaviness. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I really like this song, and I think I think we've yeah pretty well covered it. I don't yeah. know. Another thing that I was going to talk about earlier, but I forgot to, and I'll try to be brief. In terms of how, because we talk, we were talking about all things must pass, and I do think it, this album is the antithesis to that. Mm-hmm. But in a lot of ways, it's not the antithesis necessarily to McCartney one, but mm. it mirrors it in a lot of ways and i and it's a, like a reverse mirror though if that makes any sense yeah it mirrors it kind of but is also kind of the opposite yeah if you know what i'm saying like how we're talking about how john has a few moments kind of brief moments of relief mm-hmm. um of maybe like the uh, of humor or funniness you know or just an, a breath of air mm-hmm. um but m- really for the most part is is getting down to the grittiness um, yeah. of this primal therapy and also talking about uh, just being as honest and vulnerable as possible in terms of the Beatles breaking up and, and him having to yeah, basically yeah. deal with the rebirth of himself. Um, but on the flip side, on McCartney 1, the whole album is kind of trying to be more jovial than it really is yeah, and also trying to be more light than Paul is actually feeling. I think, and there are only a few moments of clarity, like how we talked about mm-hmm. throwback, where we like the there's a few moments on McCartney one mm-hmm. where it really gets down to it, like where it's and it's like all of a sudden after the silliness, it's like now let me lie with the with my love for the right. time I'm home, yeah. and you have that. It's almost like Plastic Ono Band, 
is the other way around. Yeah. Where it is mostly stuff like that, and there are brief moments of error. And that's what I kind of mean when I like think of like they're similar projects, but McCartney and you know George, yeah, they are. They're more constructive, and this is destructive in a way. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, I don't even know if McCartney's is. I don't even know if it's that constructive. Yeah, I think true. it's more of just settling. Sure. Sure. You know, and and just letting yourself breathe, maybe. Um, but I th- I do think it's funny how, um, even in their debut albums. Um, being so different at this point from each other and having strayed so far from when they first started writing together and were writing together for such a long time Mm -hmm. that their debut albums are more similar than you might think. That's true. Like they both have a lot of just like um, bare and honest qualities about them. Mm -hmm. They just have completely different perspectives that they're addressing. Right. And also they're both trying to build relationships and families and, you know, uh, yeah. do that at Why, the same there's time. There's a plane overpass. Whoa. Why is there a plane so like, late? Back, back in the USSR, huh? Back in the USSR, I was about to start. Oh. Um, but I found out, oh, one other thing I was going to say, the whole Jesus thing. It's like, you think about the whole hullabaloo of John saying yeah. they were bigger than the Jesus. Yeah, and having to like address that and, and be apologize. So, uh-huh. and, and then in this album, he doesn't fuck that. I don't believe in Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> there ain't no outright. Jesus gonna fall from the sky. Yeah, fuck I mean, you. then later just says, "I don't believe in Jesus." That is a line. Yeah, I mean, yeah, especially that album, but or especially that song. But yeah, even on this, there's no guru gonna see through your eyes. You're you're sitting there with your cock in your hand, you know. <laughs> yeah. Thinking it's about the Beatles ass. and Jesus and all this ass. stuff. And some of this album, and and we'll talk about this on the next song, especially for me, almost feels a little like trying a little hard to be edgy or provocative or, you know, and I say yeah. this as a college student who says this kind of stuff a lot, but like like freshman in college of like, hmm. Actually, there there is no God, you know, and it's like <laughs> right, okay, sure. And I say that I, as a you know, guy who's I completely understand that take, but I did not once think that. Yeah, well, I didn't that's, think that at all. That's the thing about this album. I I understand. I don't agree with that analysis of this, but I understand people having that criticism. Yeah, I think this is an album, and I think this is especially the case with God, the song. But um, if you <laughs> not, have not the thing, yeah, right. <laughs> But uh, the concept of God. But I think this is especially the case with the song God or Working Class Hero. If you have any ironic remove from it, it doesn't really work. You have to be fully engaged and fully buy into it. And True. if you come to it with a distance or ironic, um, you know, it could easily be not taken seriously and laughed off. But I think if you really engage yeah, with it, it's very that's true. moving. And I don't even think about that. But I do think, um, I think part of the reason that maybe that might be a critique of this album or a shock from fans of the Beatles for this album mm-hmm. is I do think that John Lennon is extremely idealized in the image of the Beatles. And a right. lot of images of John Lennon for people, especially who don't know his about his life or his background very well, He's just extremely idealized because he's a fucking beetle. You mm-hmm. know? Um, and so I do think when people hear this, it's it does feel like, oh, you're you're trying too hard to be inappropriate and gritty and edgy. Yeah. 
I don't, I kind of just think that was where he was at. And he's finally able to just be as open and honest as he wants. Right. Without anyone telling, you know, hey, you can't say fuck. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Although they did push back on that, but of course they will. <laughs> yeah, of course. And yeah, I, I, and I'm sorry. I, no, it's okay. Um, I like have seen and heard friends of mine or people I don't know that well who haven't heard these songs and they listen to it and, and we'll talk about this with God, but like, like laugh because it is so earnest and it's, it's so, so dark <laughs> and yeah. And he is just laying everything out. It's, it's almost hard to not have an ironic sort of like, you know, didn't it's we so listen, intense. Didn't we listen to God? In, I, I, in I was going to bring this. We'll yeah. bring, we'll talk about this. We but, did. We did. With, but yeah. let's talk about working class hero first. Cause this is yeah. kind of leading into that. Cause and for me, this is almost a song that kind of doesn't work for me. What? No, I like this song, but I think there's a fundamental irony to him being a mega rich superstar and talking about being a working class hero, which I respect. Yeah, I I think that he's kind of suffered enough pain and loss, economic pain though. I don't I don't I don't care. Sure, he didn't ask to be as famous as he got. It's the thing. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't keep asking for more money. He wasn't doing any schemes to make any more money off of what he'd already got. Yeah. Like, there's, you know, um, I think that he's suffered enough in terms of his childhood and early adulthood that I don't really, and I don't even think, I, I, although the song is, is titled that, I think it's also the title is ironic. He, that's the you thing. Know? I think uh, a reading of this is even like, he's not even saying he's the working no, class No, no, he's not. And by and the I've way, I've never thought of it like that. I want to clarify, I do really like this song, and I think all the things he says are poignant and salient and like in an interesting breakdown of, of society, capital S society. Yeah. And I think that as, as, <laughs> as pop culture has kind of, um, since the 50 years since this album has come out has obviously gotten much more like, uh, like the idea of like, um, hating on our society yeah. has become much more relevant in terms of pop music. Like it's something that's yeah. been done a shit ton of times. One of my favorites is Father John Misty's Pure Comedy. That's like basically working working class hero, but an entire album of it. Sure. And of course, John Lennon. I imagine, especially this song is uh, definitely an inspiration for that, which I think is really cool, and I think is an inspiration for a lot of people feeling like they can be more open a- about their distrust. And unhappiness with how human life can be, but putting it in pop music. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't really think that that was happening very much before this song. Yeah. Well, um, I don't know. I think, I don't know about that. Like, if you think about, like, Woody Guthrie and Bob Dylan and folk music in yeah, general. Yeah, I guess I mean, that's, that's true. That. But I don't know if it's, it's just there's a certain amount of uh, complete unhopefulness and grittiness to this song that isn't is present and some of the other ones well for me i don't the 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 thing that i love about woody guthrie songs and bob early early bob dylan songs is like there's enough specificity to it um that it 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 it's very truthful and i don't need this song to be authentic i think he makes very good points about military industrial complex economic um, you know, class disparagement and like, 
I, I, I think he can make all those points. Just something about the working class hero part of it all. I don't know. It, it, it just, there's an ir- ir- irony there that is, is the one part of the song that I bump against. Yeah. Is, yeah. I, I get that. I get that. Um, but I, I do like this. But in song. terms of the lyrics. Uh, yeah. Other than that. Yeah. Phrase. Other than that phrase, I, I, I like it. And again, it's a song that you can easily have an ironic distance from or yeah. be like, okay, kind of roll your eyes and go, okay, I, he's trying to be edgy. Yeah, I really love but, it because you don't, in terms of all of John Lennon's uh, released music that he's been a part of from the Beatles to um, the end of his career, you don't get much John Lennon, just guitar and vocal. Yeah, true. Um, within the Beatles, I'm pretty sure it only happens twice. And that's Julia and Across the Universe, and if and that's even the Across the Universe version that doesn't have the fucking Phil Spector shit on top of it. Well, and this does feel like him trying to emulate early Dylan in some ways. Yeah, you know? no, I definitely, th- um, I, and I think it's done in a, a cool way because it's been you know like uh, you know six or seven years. Yeah, and it's and, and it is different stylistically and it's lyrically a sh- than it's Dylan, a shock but... on the album too because you've just had kind of a buildup. Yeah. You know, in terms of instrumentation, and then the fourth track is, no, never mind. You know, just John yeah. and guitar. And I love that part where it, like, something happens. I don't know what it is. Yes. But it gets, you know about, what I'm talking yeah. about. And it gets weirdly of, intimate. Yeah. And then I it don't all know exactly how they did that. It feels I don't feels even know like, if it's intentional. But yeah. Well, no, it, what it is is the mic is moving. Okay. Yeah. Either yeah. he's moving further and then or he's moving in closer right or the whole mic moved or what i thought maybe happened is it's a different take and they spliced I, I was it. thought I, I thought about that too and yeah. i really should have looked it up because i know what you're talking about exactly mm-hmm. um whatever it is it feels no because the direction of what the mic is picking up mm. changes oh okay so it's something specific with the mic that can't really be done mixing wise especially then yeah um and so that's what makes me think that it was a different take because maybe he was comp- oriented completely differently, mm-hmm. um, singing either closer or further, and then the guitar was also mic'd a little differently because everything, it's both, yeah. changes. And then it happens again at the end. And so, that, Yeah, and what it creates is like an effect of almost like it feels like he's right up in your ear uh-huh. saying something to yeah. you it's, um, no, and it's, then zooming and out again. Especially the new Ultimate Mix, which um, guys, if you're planning on listening to this album, after you listen to this podcast, I highly recommend you listen to the Ultimate Mix. It came out a few years ago. I don't think I did. The 50th anniversary of this. You should listen to it. It's pretty great. The only uh, qualm I have with it is that the drums are mixed in audience perspective, which fuck that shit. Mm. But <laughs> um, We're getting very inside baseball, which <laughs> it's kind of this whole thing. But I think it does this song especially well because it handles that, um, I think, even better. It, there's even more clarity in that part that you're talking about. Um Today, I was listening to this, and I was walking from, I had just gotten out of class, and I had to pick up my bass out of my car to go to bass seminar, and I was listening to this album, and of course, like, I get my bass out of my car, and I'm walking um, to the building, mm-hmm. and this song starts playing, and um, my bass seminar class is um, the top floor of this old church that's been converted into, uh, basically, rooms to rehearse in, um, and so I'm, like, walking up the stairs, of this church, listening to Working Class Hero in my AirPods. It was a very edgy moment. Yeah. It was not It was not a great <laughs> thing to be listening at 2 p.m. I mean, it, it. yeah, I like this song. There is just part of me that feels like 
what what exactly do you know about being a working class hero? Yeah. At this point. And also I don't even I don't think that's the point of it though. It's just I don't say, think it is either. It's just saying what can you you know, if you're given this lot in life. Yeah. If you're given this fucking shithole in life. Yeah. And that just happens to be the circumstance. It's just a very ironic thing. Well, a working class hero is something you could be, I guess. Right. That's the best you can do, huh? I, I mean, I and totally get that. And I think that that's that. the best that he could have done had he not had the, you know... Yeah. No, the, I get that. The luck and the gift of, you know, where things went for him. But also, he did have to work his fucking ass off. Totally. Totally. Well, the the other thing for me, though, is like... Like and and that being said, I I totally understand that read and I agree with you and I I do like this song, and I you know you win you win <laughs> right but and born in the USA is one of my favorite albums. That's a very similar thing of Bruce Springsteen talking yeah. about how hard it is to come back from the war and get a job and you know and yet it's like one of the highest selling albums of all time. <laughs> yeah, and. So that doesn't really matter for me. I don't know why. I, I can't explain to you why I have a problem I, No, with I understand. It, you know? And I see your side of it, too. I, I love just Bruce never, I, I just haven't thought about it yeah. like that, honestly. I didn't even really think too much about the phrase working class hero. I th- yeah. I'm thinking about everything surrounding it. Because I, Bruce Springsteen, why do I love him so much and I have a problem with this? I don't know. I, I truly don't know. But Whoa. How long have we been recording this? I don't know. I, I think know. it's been an hour. Do you want to move on? We should move All on. Right. Holy shit. Um, Have you guys been listening for an hour? <coughs> Go ahead and email. I us. forgot to. I forgot <laughs> Go to ahead and email us. us. Yes or no? Uh, isolation, <laughs> the last track on side A, so we could maybe take a break after okay. this. But isolation, it's I, long I really like this song. What do you think of isolation? Um, I love the my, uh, my favorite part about it is the, the chord bass? progression. No. Oh, okay. Like, um, and I should have like really looked at what that chord progression is and what I like about it. I know it's descending by half steps at the beginning. Yeah. And, and it's, I think it's a really, really cool and unexpected thing on a John Lennon re- record to open with this like pretty intricate piano part, especially yeah. for John. Well, because he just, by this point, just started playing piano. I yeah. Think. Yeah. Well, yes and no. Because the funny thing is, at the, in early Beatles, mm-hmm. John was like on help. Um, in that era of touring, John was the keyboard player, not Paul. Oh, okay. And John was playing keys, electric piano, on okay. on that stuff. Um, and then you see in the in the Get Back documentary him playing piano, and you know he's he plays piano, but sure. not really. Sure. Not in you know where you're kind of doing different stuff with your left and your right, and you have to do mm-hmm. it at the same time, that kind of thing. That Paul started doing um, in mid Beatles, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially around White Album, like Martha My Dear, is getting more advanced. Right. So I think John definitely felt like he wanted to also progress on that at the same time. So started doing that more, which I think you see even more later, which we'll get to and imagine. Yeah. True. Um, but I think it's really cool. And it really uh, definitely after working class hero, a good change up. Yeah. To piano. Definitely. Now. It's one of the most melodically um, involved songs mm-hmm. on this album. And I love the arc of it, of it starts with that, that step wise motion mm-hmm. and then isolation yeah and the ringo and beat boom, later on it boom. even holds it holds out the word even longer yes yeah. yes and the ringo dr- drum beat on it's so simple but it feels like a heartbeat mm-hmm. and and you know it's so good and klaus vorman's baseline in that documentary did you see that part where the guy whoever it is he's like isolating f- the vocal enough uh no the bass the bass part oh yeah 
and he's like playing chords and he's like yes mm, okay klaus or yes whatever. i love that <laughs> yeah no yeah that that, that part is crazy i've it's never once played bass chords on a track ever yeah it's anything. really cool it's a and so non and weird yes exactly that's exactly it's, what i thought it's too. so different when i saw that i was like paul would never do that yeah he would never do that and it's really effective i really like that bass line um and this is that's why i think this would be like one of the single things because it feels like the most melodically engaging um, true i don't think it's as well i don't know i don't think it's as, as earwormy sure or catchy i don't know but maybe it is to some people i well and not also to say it's not catchy this I mean, it feels is, like hold on part two in many ways like thematically and it, it feels like you know we're all afraid of isolation but we have each other me mm-hmm. and yoko we're together um you know just a boy and a little girl trying to change the whole world yeah uh yeah it's it's i really like this song um i'm not sure if i have too much more to say about it yeah, to me it, it sounds quick, just kind of make sure i don't have this... Oh, I do love my favorite line in this is "You're just a human, a victim of the insane." Yeah, that's that's good. Um, and I hope that that insane. what he yeah that he's that he means by that that the human race is just insane. Right. I hope yeah, that's what he's saying. So I, I think really so. <laughs> like that. Yeah. Oh, you're just a human, a victim of the insane. What can you do? And I love that line the way he sings it too. Insane. Yeah. And it, yeah, his it, vocal delivery on this, and especially. John is so fucking good at double tracking his vocal. He mm. has been from the very beginning. Ever since the first time they did it, really was on um, with the Beatles. They double tracked all the mm. vocals on that album, and they, you know, did from that point on. But even if you go back and listen to with the Beatles, um, Paul's double tracks are good, not perfect. George's double tracks are re- pretty, pretty darn bad, actually. George, mm. when he double tracks. Um, Early, in the early days, couldn't catch when he would end a phrase sometimes, so sometimes you can tell that one voice ended before the other. John's double track is always perfect. He mm. always gets it. He always ends his phrase right at the same time. You can for, barely tell they're there. For uh, the people who may not know... Do, do I want to explain what a double track is? Briefly, yeah. Okay. yeah. A double track is just when you do the same part, the same melody, the, whether it's guitar. Usually it doesn't happen for bass or drums. Uh, guitar or vocal or even if it's violin or whatever and it uh because it's the same part but a slightly different performance not everything is going to be exactly in time it'll be like milliseconds off um or even maybe a second off depends um but then it adds like this thickening uh or what you would call a chorus effect to it um but it makes a vocal more prominent and more at the front of the mix and kind of uh thicker and uh something to you know ground the song um but the it's a classic uh beatles Beatles yeah yeah. but the really cool thing (laughs) then i'll go even further is um there's this thing that we have now called adt which is automatic double tracking and the reason that we have it is because it was invented because john lennon asked for it Mm. um around the sergeant pepper sessions when he you know already been double tracking his vocal for you know like four years at that point he asked the question to the engineer, why do we have to, why do I have to do this every time? Couldn't we just find a button to be able to do this for me? And they were like, you know what? That's a great idea. And then they invented it. So now we have that. Thanks, John. Thank you, John Lennon. But yeah, um, speaking of double tracking that insane part, like one of the 
things falls off a little bit uh-huh. earlier than the other one does. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is a this is a good song. Yeah. Uh, it reminds me a lot of like the sound that would inform the Harry Nilsson Pussycats album that John produced. Um, mm-hmm. This specific song sounds the most like that album to me. I haven't um, listened to that album. Well, I think we and should do a bonus, bonus episode. episode. Yeah, because I love it. And Ringo <laughs> what year plays did it on come it. Out? It's like right in the thick of the last weekend. Yeah, that's what I where thought. Where they're so all part of Yeah, so I think it is 74. Yeah. But yeah, we should cover it because Ringo's on it too. Okay, we're going to take a brief break. This is the end of the A side. I'm going to flip this record. Give yep. us one second. <laughs> back flip that record drop that Fox needle side b of plastic hey remember John me Lennon. hey remember this do you remember <laughs> the 5th of november <laughs> yeah another cookie <laughs> part yeah the weird ass explosion at the okay, end okay well we're not there yet though yeah true so, true let's, don't spoil let's it we spoiled it we're sorry guys man it's we'll getting get late it. isn't you don't it? you don't know where yeah, guys, it's officially midnight. Yeah. Ooh, we've been going for a while. It's Thanks tomorrow. for listening. So it's tomorrow now. It's Tuesday. It's Tuesday. No, it's Wednesday. No. Wait. No. Oh, today shit. was tu- oh, today's right. Tuesday. Okay, it's Wednesday. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> I literally was no, no, no. Um, remember, I like this song, dude. Yeah, you? the groove is crazy. Another yeah. piano, dun, dun, and the piano dun, is dun, is dun, more dun, like, dun. um, it's more. I mean, obviously, more upbeat. It's kind of more Motowny, a, a little bit. I don't. Huh. Know. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I agree, but you're wrong. But, but that's a that's an interesting. Yeah, thing I might to say. be wrong. <laughs> I don't. I, I do still respect you as a person sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. It's um, I don't know. It's it's far from the piano on isolation. Although, no, um, although in a weird way, like that kind of stepwise motion. We'll get to it, but that. Imagine does the same fucking thing. He loves that. Yeah, those true. close voicings. True. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no, I like Remember a lot. Uh, it, it's, again, sort of talking about childhood and bringing yourself back to an earlier way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it kind of touches on sort of the parasitic relationship he had with his dad later on um it says like remember your mom and pa just wishing for movie stardom um oh oh sorry 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 little sorry, sorry, little sorry. clip of the music uh, hey we're gonna get copyright <laughs> i'm just trying that. to look at the lyrics um yeah let me see i got them pulled up here uh, remember when you were young how the hero was never hung um the the line i'm talking about let me see do you remember your mom and pa w- just wishing for movie stardom always always playing a part yeah, I don't know. It's just again says says a lot without saying a lot, you know. Yeah, I'm also looking at the uh, it, uh this song was written um before the therapy. Oh, so, like, really? This was one of the yeah. That 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 makes sense. Yeah. It feels like he's this song is almost scratching the surface of things that he Yeah. Um, which is cool that it fits in this more. way, but yeah, it, what it wasn't one of those songs written. Yeah, that's interesting. The therapy, yeah. Um, and yeah, speaking of the groove on this, I love the way it switches. Uh, it's just stops, boom, and don't feel sorry. Yeah, that that's the best part. Yeah, fucking, and it slows down a little bit too. Yeah, and tempo it, change and groove change, and then it gets right back into it. just remount. Dun, 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 dun. It's like got this propelling motion yeah. that, that 
kind of I, I love the groove i just love how the piano fits into the groove yeah um it's it's got a nice kind of uh tight pocket but also at the same time it feels it still feels free-flowing ish it doesn't you know it feels yeah. like um you're in the room it feels like you're driving at night with no headlights on and you you're it's you know you're moving but you're a little unsure of where you're going <laughs> and it's a little scary but and then know. the groove changes when you crash into the tree and go yeah to, or you the lights the turn on for a minute or something yeah i don't know maybe this analogy is uh, yeah. not as sound as i, I don't thought. have too much to say about this song um neither do i well to be honest i think the second half of these songs besides god like they're almost so simple in its language and its construction that there's not a lot more to say than what's already on there. You know, the song, the songs speak for themselves, but, um, why are we even doing this? (laughs) What? (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) Let's just pack it up and leave. I'm done. Dude, you sounded kind of serious. No. Why are we even fucking doing this? Cut the tape. Did you cut the tape? <laughs> Did you think that I was about to? Um... I, I, I didn't. I don't know what I thought. I th- I didn't think you were completely serious, but I kind of thought you were having a joker moment. <laughs> no, oh. I I believe strongly Oof. in the dream still. <laughs> I, when this podcast, the dream is, is over, very live and well. I don't believe in, in all, all pods, pods must cast. cast. <laughs> the dream is over. Um, yeah, no, I like this song. There's obviously the explosion. Do you remember the 5th of November? I guess that's, you know, the explosion is a Guy Fox reference of, again, a moment of kind of jokiness. What is it? What is it a reference to? Well, the 5th of November. Oh, God, now you've got me on the spot about British parliamentary history or whatever. Guy Fox was that guy who, like, tried to blow up parliament. And I'm sorry if I'm getting these details wrong. On the 5th of November... It's like a big part of British history where he tried to blow up the the thing on the 5th of November. So on the 5th of November... So basically what you're saying, on the 5th of November, there was an attempted explosion. Yeah, and that's why I think... And that's why the end of this track has an explosion. Yeah, yeah. And and <laughs> that's why British people like burn effigies of Guy Fox. I think, on November 5th. Okay, well, I, I, good to know. I'm, I'm sorry if that's wrong. I, We're sorry, I was British just people. put on the anyway, spot by Kai. Moving on to love. Yeah. Um, just love is real. I and when I hear this song, I think about um, the Beatles' nineteen nineties reunion track, "Real Love." Oh. Um, another John song that was. When I think of when I hear this song, I think about the Beatles. <laughs> Feels like you could say that about about a lot but of songs. No, I'm no, not. I'm just kidding. I just, the track "Real yeah. Love" by the Beatles, but really uh, by John. The song itself was mm. a John home demo. Um, anyway, um, yeah, this That's track cool. is plain and simple. Just, um, it's the calling it straight m- out. It's the most lyrically. It is such a uh, almost a risk. Like there's yeah. there's safety. There's a certain amount of safety in having something like "I am the Walrus" deliberately confusing people. There's some safety in that because, you know, you can throw as much shit at the wall as you can, and there's still that safety net of, well, it's deliberately confusing. It's, I think, honestly, in some ways, I don't know about harder, but a much different exercise to say love is real, real is love, 
love is feeling, feeling love. I mean, that is so bare. Yeah, and it feels like anyone could have come up with that or anyone could have said it. Um, but I do think uh, just the fact that it's John Lennon mm-hmm. and that he's already written, um, co-written over 20 number one hits and many more other hits mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, basically just been like the songwriter or been a part of the partnership of songwriting of the past decade mm-hmm. that uh, I don't know. I, the fact that one of the greatest songwriters of all time has is released this song on his debut solo act is uh, a fucking brave move. Yeah. Um, but also I do think that it adds a bit of significance to it because you know that he's not saying this because he can't write a better song or he can't write a better lyric. There's obviously, this means something to him and he does think I, there is meaning in this i think it's a uh, it's a beautiful lyric you know yeah in its simplicity my I think, favorite is the the um love is asking to be loved yeah that's great there's so many great the little bit. um mantras or something in this and well he doesn't believe in mantras that's true that's true but like i think there is a case with songwriters where at the beginning of their career they're very flowery very ornate in their language and pad it a lot with, um, you know, uh, it's getting late. Sorry, I'm <laughs> flowery language and no, I, I and I, and, and throughout their you're career, reeling me in, reel me in. And throughout their career, the they get stripped down in simpler language. Yeah, I, can I agree think with that, that happens with Springsteen. Happens with Dylan. It happens like David Berman from Silver Jews. Like there, there's so many examples of like towards the end of their career or life or whatever, I think they're more prioritized on being direct and straight to the point than having language exercises or something like that. Yeah. Um, or so, rhyming exercises or making sure everything has yeah. the right amount of syllables, you know. Right, or, or you know. <laughs> anyway, I think we've... Uh, I think we've covered just about yes, everything on yeah. that. Um, it's, a, it's a beautiful song. It's a beautiful it song. Yeah. I don't... I will say that I don't find anything necessarily remarkable about it. Um, By itself, maybe not. But yeah, I think within in the, the context, context of the album, it's serving the album beautiful. well. Um, I don't think it's one of the great love songs or anything, and I wouldn't yeah. put it on a playlist or 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 have it be like it's not. Uh, when I think of love songs, it's not one of the ones I think of. You know. Sure. Not to say that it's not good. Um, it serves yeah, the album. Like a high bar. Well, I think. Uh, but you think John and he his bandmates yeah. have written the some of the best. Yeah, fair I enough. mean, it's you're comparing it to something and here, there, and everywhere, which I know is like a pretty unfair comparison. But also, he was in that band. Yeah, I I, get, I, I know what you're saying, but I think it's I think or the even comparing it to like girl, you know. Sure. But uh, I think it's still a beautiful song, especially in the context of, of this album. Yeah, yeah, it's. Um, I I do agree that it has beauty. Um, it's pretty low on the list. Sure, me. fair enough. I do st- I do still enjoy listening to it. Um, in the context of yeah. the album, though, I will say. Well, how Sorry, about well, well, well? Uh, I love this song. I know you do. Yeah, I, and you didn't even have to say it. I just knew. Yeah. yeah. And you didn't even tell me. You don't just, like this song. It's 
probably my least favorite. Really? Uh, maybe not least, but it's definitely, I don't know. I, I just, I'm kind of, I get bored of it. I'm kind of like, right, I, sure. I, I kind of had enough of this by like two minutes in and then it keeps going. And, yeah, then, the, and then it has yeah, that breakdown and then it goes yes. back into it. I'm like, dude, yeah. I just, you could have ended it there. Yeah, I but guess I, so. I no, I totally understand that it. It I love the energy of it, and I yeah. love the idea of just going back into it. Yeah, and not giving a shit about whether or not people wanted to hear that again, but just doing right. it because you feel like it. I think that's really cool, and I love the atmosphere of that of the song. You can just tell that they're having a good time while they're playing this, or um, at least energetic. Yeah, having good energy, and it's tight, and it feels good, and the groove is good. And I love his guitar tone. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I don't, I don't really love like the stomp beat that it has. Oh, really? That's I, one of my favorite parts. I don't love songs that do that. Um, I just like I love that relentless drive through it, yeah. and then when it picks up with the shukadukadu, like it feels again the sh- uneasy drums, some sort of chorus effect or whatever that is. It leads to like, just like a slinky kind of motion in the drums. And um, I covered this in, what was the other song we were talking about? I found out. Yeah. but uh, And th- I do think that those are kind of, related. they mirror each other. Yeah, um, Brother, sister songs on this track, but I, I think I found out is way better and I like it way more. And Lyrically, I love, I found um, out a lot more. I, I, I love the sound of this song so much. I can understand its place in the album. I just don't like it. To yeah. be honest, I don't like this track. I love the screams. Uh, that's my probably my favorite bit, and I think it's awesome because they're even more intense than the screams on Mother. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think having those way later in the album and kind of um, embracing that rawness again, and so it's like kind of a an aspect of the album at that point, rather than right. just an aspect of the song Mother. You know, um, I think that's really awesome, and I think just how fucking hard he goes yeah and you just hear his voice start cracking yeah yeah oh it's it's really really good um and i just kind of wish it would end there fair enough i yeah. don't i think it would be a stronger ending if it was just him streaming and then the song ending yeah i could I, I could certainly see that i don't really have a argument for the way it is i just really like the sound of it and the drums yeah. and the see i yeah i just <laughs> i don't i don't love the drums i don't love the effect on the drums i don't like the stop beat um, and I don't like the lyrics either. Yeah, I, I mean, I just think they're kind of boring to the lyrics. Yeah, and I don't think he meant for there to be even yeah. much of the lyrics. Other, it's more of just like a jam song and letting it out. Song, yeah, exactly. Which exactly. is cool. I just don't like those kind of songs very much. Fair enough. I and see, I do. So there, yeah, there we and go. I knew you. I I knew you would. An and example I knew, of and I know a that you do disagreement between. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I lyrically, there's a funny moment about he talks about how you sit around and talk about women's liberation and how the hell we're going to get things done. And it's kind of funny because it feels like, it, to me, it's so clearly like a recent discovery for him that he's like taking on this women's liberation thing yeah. and wants to get it in the album somehow. Yeah. Uh, I just think that's funny. Uh, and yeah, just throwing in, throw in this. Yeah, exactly. Um, Should we move on? Yeah, let's do it. Again, I think these songs sort of, speak for themselves and their yeah. simplicity okay look at me i have some you go ahead and kick it off because i have some shit to say about this one. i don't i i honestly don't you don't this is probably the most forgettable um, song it's on the forgettable for me, yeah. it's tiresome uh oh he, wow 
you've already done this, I will say. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, do something else. Um, pick a different... I'm, I'm sure you wrote at least one or two other songs that could have gone on this instead. Um, there's not much I think this song is adding to the album. Um, especially at the end, it's a drag. Um, I wish it wasn't on here. Wow, I I don't feel that strongly about it one way or the other. Uh, I think it's a pleasant song to listen to. I think, I think the it's lyrics aren't the lyrics aren't bad. Like I I and I love the chatter at the beginning. I think that's mm. cool. I think that might be my favorite bit about it. Um, Actually, the more I think about it, the more I do like this song. I think the more that I the more that you hear me hate on. <laughs> no, I'm just reading the lyrics and I'm kind of remembering. Yeah, the lyrics the aren't melody. bad, but they're they're it's nothing <laughs> remarkable and it's it's. It's not much compared to some of the other songs on this album. Yeah, I agree. Like Working Class Hero, I found it. It's just, the thing is, I do think, um, other than God, obviously, this album is front-loaded. Like, it's... Uh, yeah. It hits yeah. harder in the, the beginning of the album. I agree with that. The thing about this song, though, is, like, I you need moments like this so that it's not all... Yes, but what I'm getting into... Sure. Is that... So... While John was in India, he learned this picking pattern Mm. that he uses on at least three songs on the White Album. And you know it's that picking pattern because it's the exact same. And he doesn't really even try to change the tempo of it. So it's just so obvious that it's the same picking pattern from Dear Prudence and Julia. Mm. And um, uh, we'll have to to ask our perfect pitched friends what the key of this is. I don't want to look it up right now. But I think it's even the same key as Julia, mm. and it has some of the same chord progressions, and even the melody's kind of similar. It just feels like Julia again, but worse. Although, isn't that an interesting song to echo on this album, you know? Yes. That specifically. And I hope that it's on purpose. It, could, it has it could to be, be, right? Echoing that. It has even to if be it's on not, Even if it's not on purpose that is something that happens. It echoes that song. You know? It does. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, for our listeners who don't know, Julia is a deep cut off the White Album. It's like the only time... I, I referenced it earlier, actually, in this podcast. Other than Across the Universe Naked, um, the only time like in Beatles discography that it's just John and guitar. Because obviously we had right. Paul do that a few times. Um, but the only time... And so it's very significant. And also Julia was the name of his mother. Mm-hmm. Um and so it's an interesting song to kind of yeah. be evoked. Uh, um, but if you listen to Julia and look at me back to back, uh, they're quite identical. And they're, the guitar, yeah. the guitar picking pattern is the exact same. The tempos, I think the same. And also I think the key might be the same. Well, I have to double check that. I, I honestly, that, that actually, funnily enough, that actually makes the more we talk about it, that makes me like it more because <laughs> it's not supposed to necessarily be played back to back to each other. So I think the fact no, that I know, it's even I know, like but it's just like evoking that is actually pretty interesting. If you're a Beatles fan and you you just have heard Julia yeah. you know, a million times as you've listened to the White Album, I think as soon as I heard this song, I just kind of was like, what? what? It's just the same thing again. Yeah. I don't really love when songs do that, even if it is kind of a reference to, you know, I just, it feels like it's the same song, but worse. That's fair. Um, and if it is an echo of it, I appreciate that. I think that's cool. 
but I think it slows down the album. I think the album was already slowing down, and I think that by this point I'm kind of like, eh, I wish, I do kind of wish it would have gone somewhere else. I well, don't hate the track. Yeah. Um, I still, I wouldn't, I wouldn't skip it. Sure. Uh, honestly, there isn't a track on this album. If I'm listening to the album, I'm not skipping yeah, the track. Yeah. I'm listening to the it's whole thing. It's an experience. Which is crazy because even on, like on McCartney one, no, I'm yeah, not listening to right. all of those instrumentals. I'm skipping them. Sure. I don't care. I mean, of course, I listen to it all the way through. Um, plenty of time for <laughs> us reviewing the podcast, but in any other atmosphere, I would not be doing that. But anytime that I'm willingly um, choosing to put this album on for some reason. Yeah. Which, I mean... <laughs> not is- to say that I've... But I don't think that I'm going to very... I, I don't very often unless I'm, you know, I have a podcast that I need to talk about it on. It's not this which album. Which I do, actually. This album? Plastic Ona Band? Yes. Yeah. And like, I do have a podcast that I will... That I'm right. talking about it on, yeah. Well, yeah, it's not one that is, like, fun. It's not... No. Know, and so it's just uh, choosing to put this song, yeah. this album on is... It definitely... It's just a rarity, to be honest. And it's not... One of my favorite albums. Um, I don't hate the album. I don't dislike the album. I liked the album, but well, I don't love it. We'll get into our final thoughts yeah, we will, here. Sorry. And I don't think we should, like, I think we can both agree this is not the most memorable song. But let's let's get into Probably, yeah. God, because yeah. that is the big <sighs> showstopper. Yeah, God is, um, yeah. Because uh, one of the best. It's hard to even John Lennon start songs. talk about this. Yeah. Period. Maybe, you know, um, it doesn't rival... Um, some of my favorite Beatles songs written by him. Um, when I am in the right mood, this song can move me to tears. Like uh, it, it has moved me to tears before. No, it it has moved yeah. me to tears too. Yeah. So yeah, I I get that. It, That's true. It is it's it is extremely yeah, powerful. It is, and um, I again. So yeah, we we had a Beatles class that we took together. Um, very. Very good class, very enlightening. Um, and at the very end, we listened to the beginning of God. And people chuckled and tittered at the first line, God is a concept by yeah. which we measure our pain. I forgot about that. And because I do think if you have any ironic remove from this... Well, honestly, our, <laughs> our we have to say, our <laughs> professor, he's just an awesome, lovely, funny yeah. guy. Future and, guest, hopefully. Yes, and he said some. He gave it like an anecdote. He gave a. He brief did. He did do kind of a funny was, joke. Yeah, before. he was yeah. like, "Well, John gets a little more controversial and a little more uh, gritty and and honest." I think he says solo like, work or something. No, what he said was um, after the he he made the point about the Jesus controversy thing, yes, and he yeah. said uh, he stops kind of caring about what people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. think about god and then he says we, god is a concept by yeah and played the pain. song right after he said that <laughs> and then the first line is god is a concept but by even which we measure even that line like the hitler line too like if you have any irony um to this that can be funny like it's such an earnest song yeah that if you are not fully engaged it might not have the same effect yeah. but if you are fully engaged it it is very very moving yeah and the and funny thing effective. is like I understand that it can have an, an ironic um, viewpoint, and just as we were talking about on Working Class Hero, but the funny thing is, the f- past few times I listened to this album, the past couple of days, um, I have not thought about that at all, and kind of yeah. forgot that that even happened, even yeah. in class. I just, I've been fully, like, I, even listening to God, 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm so immersed in it and am so on the same page yeah. <laughs> that well, and, I don't even think about that as being ironic because I'm like, yeah. And the fact that it's the last song in the album, you're already, you've been with it for True. the yeah. past um, hour or whatever. But I, I, I mean, he, it's a song where he has his opening salvo, God is a concept of, by which we measure our pain. <laughs> yeah, and then he goes, which, I'll say it again. Yeah, and then from there lists all the things he doesn't believe in, yeah. including God. And it, it's, it's builds and builds, dunk it, dunk it, dunk it, dunk it, the piano. And oh, the same piano. progression over and over again. Did you know uh, Billy Preston plays piano? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's crazy. That's why it feels so gospel-y, yeah. but so anti-gospel. Oof, I didn't know that. It's, it's that, two that, pianos. It does make sense, though. It's it Billy Preston it on boring. one piano and John on another piano. Oh, and you have the simpler stuff from John and Billy Preston. Dun, 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 yeah, dun. okay. Yeah. That's Billy Preston. That's um, fucking sick. And he and it builds and builds and builds and builds. Um, should I just run over the things he doesn't believe in real yeah. quick? Yeah. Um, magic, I Ching, the Bible, Tarot, Tarot, he says, Hitler, Jesus, Kennedy, Buddha, Mantra, Gita, Yoga, Kings, Elvis, Elvis Zimmerman, Zimmerman, Bob Dylan, Beatles. And by that point, it's built to such a crescendo. Yeah. And, and it's really it the stops. climax of the whole album. Yes. And it's like a knife in the heart. I mean, yeah. it really, it's really effective. Uh, I just believe in me. Piano comes back. Oh, my God. Bum, 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 yeah. Yoko and me. It's, uh, it's, it is heart-wrenching. And no, then and that it's all building and building, and he knows what he's doing too. Oh, building yeah. and building and building and building, and then stop. Beatles. I don't believe in Beatles. And it starts off with um, such high concept things of religion. All these religious figures mm-hmm. gets a little more um, focused in on our time with mm-hmm. Kennedy and all these huge figures of the yeah, and 20th then century. Really smart turn is is saying Kings. Kings, and right. then. Elvis, right, who is known as the king, and exactly. then time, and just because you know that that kind of it sets that up too. Yeah, it's really smart kind of turn to that. A rejection of Elvis is a rejection of rock and roll and pop music. Yeah, and that's what drew him in in the first place. Was he exactly. fell in love with Elvis, as as so many people do, yeah. and it's like, and Elvis represents so much, um, and by rejecting that, he's rejecting, he is rejecting Beatles and pop music. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in Zimmerman. And the fact that he uses Bob's original legal name that's so strips away that Dylan identity. So in the way wait, that he's so Bob stri- Dylan, is it his first name? No, that's that's his birth name is Robert Zimmerman. Oh shit. He so changed did, it to Bob Dylan. Where where uh, did he Dylan, get the Dylan from? Dylan Thomas, the poet. Really? Yeah, yeah. Damn. So so by stripping away the Dylan identity, it almost like reveals it even more in the way he's, yeah. I'm not the walrus, you know what, I'm John. Do, do you know about any commentary Bob Dylan had on that? I, have no, I actually don't know. I don't know. I wonder what he thought about that. Yeah, I wonder. Um, because also, because um, how much it's also something that it talks about in the classic albums documentary that I also really believe to be true is that if you um, kind of, Look at John Lennon's uh, life in terms of, especially in the '60s, um, as he throughout the Beatles' career, 
he needed uh, things to kind of believe in in order to kind of keep going. Oh, I think also right. just sure. kind of for sanity. Yeah. He was always looking for something new to put his faith in or put his yeah. his uh, enthusiasm or kind of just energy into. Yeah. And I, I think, of course, in the beginning it was Elvis. Mm-hmm. And I think the cool thing is roll. that he, yeah, that he, in this song that he does Elvis and then Bob Dylan, mm-hmm. is that it, first it was Elvis, but then he fell in love with Bob Dylan mm-hmm. in like 1964 and then kind of was, he was like his songwriting role model for a while um, in terms of, you know, especially going into Rubber Soul and then, you know, before that too. And it um, breaks down the, the music and the literary yeah. parts of him. And then yeah. when, you know, he, you know, had nothing else to believe in after that in, in 68, going to India and trying to follow their meditation practices <laughs> and all of that. And, well, not, and even before that, LSD and all yeah. that stuff, too. Um, and, so many things that he yeah. tried to make sense out of his life with, you know. And he's just rejecting all of it. Yeah. Um, and so that Beatles line, I mean, it's obviously so heartbreaking mm-hmm. in some ways. And and so much more clear than any other of the Beatles members have said. Yeah, right. Not yes, only right. plainly, not yeah. even to the press, not like there's any quotes of. Yeah. Not even that John has just said this in an interview or in a quote. No, he said it in the fucking, in his debut album. Yeah. He said it in right. a song. He said it singing. There's another plane. Okay, I was wondering what that was. It was... You guys hear that? Um, Go but, ahead and email us yes or no. That's such a heartbreak, and that's the climax of the whole album. Yeah, and that's that's what people remember from this, I think. Yeah, but to me, almost more devastating is the dream is over. Yeah, I, I don't want to just after all that build up, song. and then it's just like this kind of just it's not soft necessarily, but in comparison to how much it builds, it yeah. feels soft. Um, it feels more just kind of defeated. Yeah, it feels like they're playing. It's done. Melancholic and Let's wrap defeated, it up. and they're just kind of still playing the song, and mm-hmm. it's like, nah, the dream is over. And it's hard. It's hard not to quote this entire song. I don't want to do that, but I was mm-hmm. the dream weaver. Now I'm reborn. I was the walrus. Now I'm John. You know, yeah, it's that's like fucking it's crazy. Just, it's it's that lyric is fucking insane, man. He is unraveling every notion that the public had of him, of what he thought about himself, of of all this stuff. I don't know. It's the dream is over. It's a, it's a beautiful song, heartbreaking, yeah, and a perfect climax and of this I, album. It'll be a long time before we get to this, but I was just talking talking about this with Jack earlier, how much <laughs> this album uh, parallels and um, how much the other one is a bookend to this double fantasy at right. the end of John Lennon's career um, with the song "Watching the Wheels." Uh, kind of retouches on this whole idea of the dream of the Beatles. And mm-hmm. the dream being over, um, and we'll get to that. Um, but I do think that this album and Double Fantasy um, are weirdly bookends, and we'll Absolutely. get more to that. Absolutely, yeah, um, I, I agree. And yeah. and you know, Double Fantasy has bells on it. Yeah, that are you know, did did we already talk about? This? Yeah, we it's so did. late. Jesus. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, if you guys have been listening this whole time, wow, God, thank you. We love you. Go ahead, go ahead and email us and say you know you love us too. But any any more thoughts on God? It's a it's a really powerful song. Um, well, yeah, and then even after I know we're literally just quoting the whole song, but then I, even after saying, "But now I'm John, and so dear friends, you'll just have to carry on." Yeah, like you'll just have to get over it. Yeah. And the funny thing is, people are still having to do that now. 
Yeah. Like right. I so so many people or friends that I've talked to throughout my life love to talk about even if like people who don't love the Beatles, you know, as much or casual fans of the Beatles, one of the like huge topics that everyone talks about is just what would have happened if they didn't break up Absolutely. or what would happen yeah. if, you know, they would have had a reunion or what would have, you know, what would a Beatles album in the seventies sound like? What would a Beatles album in the eighties sound like? You know, what mm-hmm. would, you know, what if they were still all alive today? And what if they, you know, were still playing together and, you know, if they were all alive together today, would they, you know, do a reunion or, you know, whatever. Um, and how much weight that this song and this last statement carries on even in 2024 mm-hmm. is is still gut-wrenching is is just that the beatles will never like it's it they're so monumental to so many people and to every new generation that lives on this earth they still keep connecting with everyone and keep touching everyone's hearts but then it's so bittersweet to know that they were only together for seven and a half years yeah, and what we have of the Beatles is forever what we will have of the Beatles. You know well, what I mean? Especially John Lennon. Yeah, and what yeah. we have of John is what we have of John. And in like some ways, it's so little. Even though he wrote so many songs, like yeah, but compared it, to the other ones, yeah. it's it's well so compared finite. to like Bob Dylan, it is so little. It is, yeah, yeah. or even yeah. the Rolling Stones, or Paul McCartney. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's it's a it's a it's a great song. And then, and then the twist of the knife at the end. My yeah, mommy's dead. My mommy's dead. It just sounds like a voice memo. Devastating. I don't even know. Yeah, it's it's a devastating uh, way to end the album. A twist of the knife yeah. in an already bleeding it's, it's, wound. It's very. It's eerie. It is. <laughs> and weird. It is. Uh, it's it's hard to listen to. Um, it's so childish, not only in the way that he says my mommy's dead, but also the the kind of nursery rhyme melody to it is very childlike um and the fact that it's a demo and not professionally recorded also makes it feel amateurish mm-hmm. so much yeah. pain i could never show it yeah it's it's I'm almost uh, dead. and it's only how how long is it 30 seconds yeah 48 yeah so well all right should we uh talk about our final thoughts hit us with your final thoughts and let's wrap this supper um, up and go to sleep <laughs> together <laughs> um uh, final thoughts i will say that i have barely listened to this album throughout my life i've mm-hmm. listened to it a couple times here and there over the past few years um i listened to it the most by far that i've ever listened to it the past few days and um while i was looking forward to talking about this and excited to listen to it and really delve into it because Honestly, um, there are just, I have a few spots in John Lennon's solo career that are blind spots for me that I've, you know, I may have heard it once or twice, but I haven't really listened to all of it. This mm-hmm. album I have more, more so than, you know, like Mind Games and, oh, sure. you know, Walls and stuff Bridges. that, yeah, Walls and Bridges comes later on, which I'm excited to get to. Um, but I will say that I enjoyed this album a lot more than I thought I would the past oh, okay. few days. Um, Maybe it's because I'm already, it's January, I'm gloomy, I'm, I'm melancholic. I'm not having the best time right now. No, I, I think <laughs> so. I think it's funny you say that. I think it really works it, in the wintertime. It does, weirdly. and it, yeah. it, it, it's working for me lately, too. I don't know, and I don't want to get too um, uh, pessimistic or cynical, sure. but I do relate to 
yeah. the way that John Lennon thinks about sure. life in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I don't, um, you know, want to say that he, you know, takes the words right out of my mouth sometimes, but he does. And especially yeah. this album and especially the finale, um, I, I just, I resonate with a lot of the stuff that yeah. um, I, as a young adult, am struggling with what to believe in in my life all the time, you know? And yeah. it feels like a lot of times I don't have um, as much to believe in other than myself a lot of the time. And also, um, I don't want to compare my own issues to anything that what John went through or try to say that, you know, some of the pain I went through is at all, you know, comparable. But I also, you know, kind of grew up with, you know, not conventional. Oh, sorry, that was my computer notification. During what a great, great time. During a very personal <laughs> <Great> moment. <laughs> Continue, though. I think this is very interesting, if you're during, comfortable. During, yes, um, with not conventional um, parent situations and, yeah. you know, then also living with someone who wasn't my mom and my dad mm-hmm. and kind of my dad not being there um, for all of my childhood and all, mm-hmm. you know. And so this album, um, the bravery that it took for John to talk about this on mm-hmm. a commercial level and to put it not only out as an album, but as your debut album, it's very brave and very admirable. And I respect it a lot. And I think really delving into it the past few days, I've respected it even more and resonated it yeah. with it even more especially now as I'm growing up, mm-hmm. I think that's one of the reasons why I couldn't connect with it earlier is because I just wasn't ready to bear the weight of fucking the emotion of this album. Yeah. Um, and I think as I get older and as I continue to grow up, I think I'll like this album even more. Um, definitely have to choose the right time to listen to it. But Yeah. Well, yeah. I think that's very interesting because thank you for uh, sharing that on the on the public <laughs> podcast here. I, I really... Thank you to my MacBook Air for... Yeah. <laughs> Um, providing comedic relief. Because I, 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 I honestly do think, like, I don't know, maybe part of the reason I maybe like this album more than you is because I don't relate to it as much. I don't know. I Who knows? But um, it is funny because I love this album, uh, and I think it's such an interesting examination of a complicated guy, of a hard guy, and it's a hard album, and it's a complicated album. And mm-hmm. I think the hard guy, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know, he's he's hard to parse and hard to uh, reckon with sometimes. And so is this album, and um, it's very moving and very uh, challenging and interesting, mm-hmm. especially in the canon of Beatles music, um, mm-hmm. specifically. Uh, yeah. Well. Any anything else to say? I'm I'm really excited to talk about Ram, um, Ram, and also our bonus episode. Our yeah, true. Yoko we Ono. Should we talk about that? We're we're going to talk a little bit about Yoko Ono's yeah, plastic the other Ono side band. of Plastic Ono Band. Yeah, um, that we agreed to not have a full episode on because Yoko Ono was not a member of the Beatles. Yes, I pushed. But... I pushed to have a full. In a way, I mean, we do have a separate episode, but it's a bonus episode, and it's not going to be a full length episode. Uh, briefly, we will, yeah, we just decided we're going to do bonus episodes that don't necessarily have to do with the four main but members. But they're involved in it heavily in yes, some way. Yes, right. It's within the sphere. So yes. we'll talk about Yoko. We'll talk about Harry Nilsson, I think. We'll talk about Hopefully stuff Linda. that kind of stays within the whole post-breakup idea. Yeah, 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 but within Beatles realm. Yes. 
Anyway, thanks for uh, listening. Listening this whole time. If you yeah. have been, thank you. We love you. Sorry it got uh, heavy, but it, it was always going to, I think. It was going, yeah, yeah, this album is fucking heavy. Yeah. If you haven't listened to it, um, brace yourselves. Don't listen in the middle of the day. If you have other commitments lined up, I would recommend maybe waiting until those commitments are through. <laughs> Carve some time out for it. <laughs> don't listen in the morning or... Uh, you know what? I don't know when to tell you to listen to it, honestly. You know what? I would check in with Kai before you do and uh, describe your environment and where you are mentally and physically. I would say at, at night is the best, but even then, it's like, I guess, fucking end your day with this? I don't know that either. I mean, hey, when we're do you doing it right now. True. It's almost, it, it, it's 1 a.m. Like, yeah. This is oh, nuts. Oh, God. Okay. okay, let's wrap this, this shit up. This has been great. Um, Thanks for listening. Follow us on social media if you want. And email leave us. Leave us a review if you want. Yes. Leave us a review um, on any of those applications that you're on. Tell your friends. <laughs> the dream is over. The dream is over. We'll see you next right, time. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>